Sefer Shmot, Parsha Titzaveh. At the end of this week's portion, Parsha Titzaveh, we learn about the altar that sits at the entrance to the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle. It's the smaller of the two altars. It's covered in gold. And chapter 30, verse 7 says that Aaron, the high priest, was to burn incense on it every morning and every evening. Later in the same chapter, at the beginning of the next Parsha, we receive instructions of the particular recipe of herbs to include in the incense. There's a profound question for us to explore here. What does it mean to have fragrance in our holy ritual, in our holy temple every day? What can we learn from this centering and sacralizing of the sense of smell? To approach this question, we can ask about the function of the temple service in general and also ask what the meaning of smell is. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel identifies two schools of thought in our tradition as to the purpose of the temple offerings. Rabbi Akiva's school says the offerings are for God. The offerings themselves gave God pleasure. Rabbi Yishmael's school says the offerings are really for our benefit. They serve, or did serve, some purpose for our own human needs. Let's keep these two possibilities in mind as we learn about the meaning of the incense. And now let us ask, what is smell? What does smell represent? Why do we need it? How do we experience smell? I want to talk about two aspects of smell. First, how it relates to memory. And second, how it warns us of danger. One beautiful thing to discuss in how we relate to our sense of smell, is the way it connects with memory. It's common to remark that smells elicit memory. Scientific research traces this experience to the architecture of our nervous systems, with the part of our brains used for smell perception closely linked to a part associated with memory. But the research on the topic is more specific, because in some ways our auditory or visual perceptions link better with memory than smell does. It's specifically personal, emotional memories that our olfactory sense is especially good at triggering. These facts about how smell functions in our neur neurology and psychology are why when a disease like the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic takes away people's sense of smell, we know it's not just a superficial problem. It's not just a blockage in one's nose, but it indicates neurological damage. And so it's relevant for all other aspects of our lives. And it also represents a threat to some part of our spiritual being, a connection to our deepest emotional memories. If we seat ourselves in Rabbi Akiva's classroom and believe for a moment that the temple offerings were for eliciting God's pleasure, what does it mean to include fragrance? The experience that triggers personal, emotional memories from the past in our offering to God. What should the incense remind God of? Rabbanitz Yael Connor has connected the incense in the temple with a midrash that says that the sweet fragrance of spices accompanied the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. She suggests that when we burn the incense in the temple or in the Mishkan, we were trying to bring God a sweet memory of that intimate moment with us at Mount Sinai. We don't have the temple anymore, and we don't have a tradition of burning incense every day. 
But I wonder what practices and intentions we can bring into our lives that can still help bring God back to that moment of closeness, excitement and promise in the wilderness. Can the sweet fragrance be an intention we bring to Torah study or to learning about the world or to gathering in community as we did at the foot of the mountain, at the foot of the mountain or to gardening as there's also a midrash that the desert mountain sprouted greenery on that day or to listening or to bathing like we purified ourselves before the revelation at Sinai. Is there one or another of these acts that you can do regularly and deliberately in the fragrant memory of Sinai to help remind God as well? Now let's move over to Rabbi Yishmael's classroom, where we believe that the temple offerings, including the incense, were for our own human benefit. What is the function of the incense in that case? What can we learn from the incense altar? Rav Zutra Bartuvia, in the name of Rav, in the Talmud teaches that smells are something that benefits the soul without benefiting the body. <clears throat> On the other hand, Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsch, a leader of 19th century German Orthodoxy, teaches that the incense altar situated between the showbread table and the menorah represents the successful fusion of the spiritual and the physical. What practices can we bring into our lives that help us awaken and focus on our souls? our spiritual consciousness, or that help unify our physical selves with our spiritual selves and be whole and aligned in intention. It is significant that our verses prescribe the burning of the incense on the golden altar regularly and frequently. Some other offerings were brought whenever one felt moved by gratitude to bring them, or in response to guilt, or only once a year. But the incense which connects us to our highest spiritual selves is a regular daily practice every morning and every evening. Can we bring spiritual awareness into our lives in a way that is regularly scheduled rather than sporadic, frequent rather than occasional, proactive rather than responsive, specific rather than abstract? And can we do it also in a way like a sweet fragrance that resonates tightly with our personal emotional memories and reinforces them, or perhaps generates new ones. Perhaps in order to find these practices, it would be helpful to ask first, what are the holy emotional memories that you would like to be in touch with regularly in order to activate your spiritual self? Now let's explore the role smell plays in warning us of danger. Smell is the sense that we access by breathing, and breath is so fundamental to life. Back in Genesis, humans are created in form, and then what brings us to life is having breath put into us. So smell serves to tell us when we are breathing something into our bodies that is threatening or toxic to our life. Thank God we have that. But there's a catch. Have you ever noticed that you smell something, good or bad, really strongly when you walk into a room? And then the smell goes away. But if you leave the room for a while and come back, the smell returns. Whatever was in the air that you were smelling and that did not actually diffuse and go away when you stopped smelling it, you kept breathing it in. But because of what is called olfactory adaptation or nose blindness, you stopped smelling it. You didn't just come to ignore it in your conscious mind. You stopped perceiving it at all. Perhaps this is why the incense was burned on the altar only twice a day, 
rather than constantly. If it were constant, the experience of the smell would disappear. So our life breath has an ability to sense and warns us when there's something dangerous in our environment. But it only works if we listen to our sense and do something about it, if we act quickly to rectify the situation. Otherwise, our sense of smell will give up and we will accustom ourselves to the toxin and not notice it anymore. This too can be a lesson for us to learn from the centrality of fragrance in the temple service. Chapter 30, verse 9 says, you shall not offer alien incense on it. We have to be careful what we put into the air that we all need to breathe. This warning is a literal one for us now, as so many human processes of malfunction, of manufacturing, power generation, transportation, and cleaning have toxic byproducts that end up in the air where they may seem like they're simply floating away. But we know that there is no away. And we will, in fact, breathe those toxins into our bodies. And often, pollution will especially end up accumulating in the air of otherwise marginalized and disempowered communities. This warning is also a metaphorical lesson for all of our activities. When the priests burned incense, that insubstantial, uncontained fragrance that floats away is the entire purpose of the religious act, teaching us that every supposed byproduct is in fact a product, that we must be attentive to the unintended consequences of our actions and not become desensitized to how we are impacting our surroundings. Let's move back into the classroom of Rabbi Akiva, who taught that our incense was really for God's own enjoyment. Now, as we're attending to what we put into the air that we share with our own bodies and souls and the bodies and souls of all other life. Then with Rabbi Akiva's teaching, we might remember that God was the one who breathed that breath of life directly into our mouths. So when we care for our breath and for our neighbor's breath, it is God's own breath that we are caring for. Shabbat Shalom.